Hey there, welcome to night school. And I recognize that I set a very dangerous precedent in doing a two-hour, over two-hour episode where that can easily be a slippery slope to three, four hours, five hours, all-day episodes. While it's a milestone, I also feel a certain, uh, yeah, like I'm slipping down a a certain slope. So I think maybe what I'm going to do is set up some limitations. You you do your best work when there's limitations. You know, uh, maybe what I'll do is leave my laptop unplugged. You know, my laptop's battery drains very rapidly if it's not plugged in. So I'll use that as sort of the modern hourglass. My laptop battery is the modern hourglass where I'll do these episodes with my laptop unplugged and that way I'm racing against the clock. That way I have a set of limitations. Uh, Maybe I'll do that. I'm not doing it today. I'm not doing it today. Maybe I'll do that, but I'm not doing it today. Yeah, what's on my mind today is, you know, praise and blame. Praise and blame. Because, you know, as much as we like praise, as much as we like being complimented, as much as we like being encouraged, we want it to be authentic. We want to feel like the person means it. And, you know, it's not just who is saying it to us, because obviously certain people's feedback, whether we know them personally or not, there are just certain people where they carry a certain authority, and it might not be based on their immediate status but it might just be you take their opinion seriously. And those people's feedback tends to have more weight than others. And beyond that, you know, even if somebody does, even if their word does carry certain authority, you have a sense for whether or not they mean it or whether or not what they're saying has some kind of value. And, uh, the opposite is true. You know, the opposite is true as well, where when someone's criticizing you, you can tell whether there's something to it or not. Deep down, you know. Intuitively, you know if somebody is praising or blaming you in a way that actually has some kind of consistency to it. And people will do both flippantly. People will do both, you know, with total conviction but it, it seems that you know, and obviously some people are insecure, where even if they're receiving a valuable compliment, they will think, he doesn't mean that. He doesn't mean that. But if you can get beyond that, you know, if you can get beyond those insecurities that assume that compliments, genuine compliments, genuine encouragement aren't true. If you can get beyond that, you know, you will find that sometimes those things aren't true. They're actually not true or they're not meaningful. And the most relatable situation, the most practical situation where this matters is the workplace where you can slave away on something. You can work on a project, work on some kind of task that, you know, no matter how positive you are, no matter how you know grounded you are, you just hate it. And it's especially bad if you feel like it doesn't have any, it doesn't add anything to the business. It doesn't really benefit the business in any way. You're just doing some sort of mundane thing. You're doing something the boss wanted you to do. You don't enjoy it. It's difficult or it's it's boring. And what you're looking for is to receive some sort of uh, 
compliment. You're, you're looking to receive some level of encouragement in doing that, and you don't receive it. And that's fine. You just have to deal with that. You have to deal with the fact that you have to do certain things, especially in a professional setting, where you're not going to receive any credit. And it might be something that, you know, it's the situation where you want some credit. You want someone to say, you know, oh, I, I know that you did that thing and it sucks. Good job. But it's even worse when the opposite also happens where you're praised for something minor. I mean, I always use this example. I received a raise once at a job because the boss walked by and saw me typing fast. And he thought, you know, and I'm not complaining, but I'm just saying, like, he, he walked by and he thought, that, that registered in his head. He was like, oh, Eric works hard. And he's, his typing skills are good. And I should add, too, you know, I've never learned how to use the home row, as they used to call it. Mavis Beacon didn't do a very good job. I never learned how to use the home row, you know. Uh, so I just, you know, I use my pointer fingers. It's like I'm playing bass. I use a couple fingers on each hand at the most. And uh, I'm playing the keyboard bass. Um, and But the boss walked by and saw me typing very quick, quickly, quickly with my pointer fingers. And uh, when it came time for my review, that came up. He was like, "You know what? Like, I walked by you. I walked by your desk one day, and I, I, you were typing really fast. And I thought hey, Eric works hard. And I was more than happy to receive a raise, especially for that. I mean, that is a skill. Maybe that. I mean, I don't think it's total nonsense because maybe I'm just justifying a really, you know, pointless raise that I really didn't deserve. But you know, there's something to be said for that's a skill." And he didn't know what I was typing. I mean, I could have had a notepad file up and just been typing like A, B, A, B, A, B, X, 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 X. You know, I could have just been typing nonsense, gibberish into notepad just to look like I was busy. But he just saw that I have the ability to type fast. And he gave me a raise and it was silly because it's funny because I had done things for this boss as well that were much more involved, much more painstaking, things that I felt maybe would have deserved acknowledgement if not something practical something some sort of reward like a raise and you know receive no acknowledgement let alone no raise and I don't have any misgivings about that but it just shows you how silly this stuff can be how arbitrary I think that would be the word arbitrary these things can be where you can receive a raise because your boss saw you pounded on the keyboard one day Meanwhile, not receive any acknowledgement for something that you feel actually deserves acknowledgement or a reward. And that can mess you up, too. You know, you can, that can almost be, a, I'm trying to think of the word for it. That can just be a weird psychological situation for you where you feel that things that don't matter are being praised or rewarded meanwhile things that do matter or things that are exceptionally difficult or just you know boring things that when you feel like you're carrying a load it's like sisyphus is carrying the boulder up uh, up the hill and nobody says nothing and then he when he lets it roll back down the hill people are like that's amazing dude you're so good at letting that boulder roll down the hill Holy, I, I can't believe, the way that you just let it roll and you don't touch it, oh my God, good job, and they mean it. 
That's weird. Meanwhile, it's like, I was just, where were you when I was pushing this thing? And that can, it can cause a weird form of psychological dissonance in you when you receive praise for things that don't seem to matter or that weren't very difficult. Meanwhile, you don't really receive any credit for something that was. But the key is to not want it either way. Because, you know, neediness is a misnomer. When someone says somebody is needy, what it really means is they want. They don't need, they want. It's like annoying parents who say, do you need it or do you want it? The kid says, I need that toy. And the parent says, do you need it or do you want it? And, uh, you know, the same applies, though. The same annoying logic is true. Just because it's annoying doesn't mean it's not true. And it also applies to when you are seeking something and a needy person, yeah, it's not something they need. They are wanty. We just kind of got it in our heads that a needy person needs something or they're, you know, they think they need it, but it's really a want. You know, someone, someone who's starving needs food. And if they're begging for food or, you know, they're not being needy. It turns out actually needing something is not needy. But it's especially true when it comes to praise and blame. Where when someone is desperately seeking praise, they want it. They don't need it. And uh, so, you know, it's important to make that distinction, even though it seems just obvious, it seems like something a little too obvious to even point out. It is a truth that you don't hear often, considering how popular that phrase is, needy. And it's interesting, too, because, you know, I'm not the kind of person who throughout my life, I don't dole out compliments. And I used to be, as far as the balance between praise and blame go, you know, coming from me, I used to lean way, way more towards criticism. I wouldn't say blame. I wouldn't say I was the person who was just mean to people all the time. But I would definitely say I leaned more toward criticism than I did praise. I've never, I don't think I've had, I think I've been pretty good just to give myself a little credit. I think I've been pretty good at not blaming people for things throughout my life. I've never been one to point the finger, but I definitely have wielded the sword the sword of criticism a little excessively at times and uh, you know I've made an effort to be like okay you know I need to acknowledge people more I need to praise people more I need to give people a little more encouragement because I recognize that people do need that they don't just want that people do need encouragement especially when I'm in a position to give them authentic real encouragement but it's something to it's something you have to balance because you can't just throw it out there because the more that you compliment and the more you praise especially the same people the less value that has it's why in a relationship and you know it's always great when i give relationship advice because i've been so successful at maintaining so many long-term relationships and you know marriages in my life you know i have so much experience getting married but uh, no, but really though, it's 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 such an obvious thing where, you know, if you're a guy and you just compliment your wife all the time, oh, you're you're such a queen. 
Oh, you look so... Oh, dude, that dress is... It looks so good. If everything you do is complimentary, if you just... It's nonstop. And even though people say that that's the key to a healthy relationship or marriage, if you do it all the time, it loses some of its value. The person will take it for granted. I mean, there's a reason why there's this archetype of British critics on these performance shows like American Idol and America's Got Talent, whatever they're called, X Factor. There's a tendency to have that Simon Cowell or uh, Peace Morgan. Peace Morgan. (laughs) Piers, whatever, whatever that name is. Whatever that name is. Piers, Piers Morgan. Is your name Pierre or Pierce? Is this a good joke? Talking about his name. Uh, but, you know, that's an archetype, the idea of oh, he's a British guy who is far more critical than he is complimentary. You know you're going to have a... If you go in on American Idol, you know you're going to have a hard time with Simon. Uh, it's that idea. But when he compliments somebody or he, or he praises somebody, the crowd goes wild. And you'd think that I watch this show all the time, but you can watch that show twice and understand the rhythm of it. You can understand the setup of it. And so Simon Cowell, you know, he's not, you know, he he doesn't, Simon Cowell does not give out compliments very freely. And when he's mean, they boo him. But when he does give them a compliment, the crowd goes crazy because they know that it matters. They know that it means something. And you have other people, I don't know, Katy Perry maybe, who when someone performs, even if she doesn't like the performance, even if she's not going to approve them, she's like, you are so amazing. You're just so amazing. And while someone might like hearing those words, it has no value, especially if she doesn't approve, especially if she doesn't pass them. But her role is to be the person who just compliments the person who sucks even. You know, she's got the velvet gloves on. You know, she's handling them with the the velvet gloves. You know, meanwhile, she's stabbing them in the back. (laughs) Because that's kind of what happens if you compliment someone too freely, but meanwhile have no intention of actually pushing them forward. It's kind of, you know, there's an, I think the reason why cheap compliments rub us the wrong way when we know they're cheap is that it does feel dishonest. And that's not to say you shouldn't do it, you know, it's, it's I don't know, but it's just one of those things where it's like your boss praising you for something that didn't matter for typing fast. It's like there's a part of you that thinks this should feel good, but it doesn't because I know that it's meaningless. And praise should never be meaningless. But there is that dynamic to shows like that where it's like everybody else, all, all the people, typically the women judges, their judges compliment you. I mean, it's kind of like if you were in front of a real judge and you pleaded your case, you pled your case, and the judge was like, I think you're an amazing person. Oh, my God. Like, you you really presented your case well. And honestly, I think there was some justification for what you did that led you here. I think there was some justification for that crime you committed. I think you kind of had a – there was a – I kind of understand your motivation – but I'm sentencing you to 20 years. You know, it's like that. It's it's sort of the same idea. You know, that's an extreme version. Whereas, you know, Simon Cowell, you know, he'll, he's the mean judge. And it's like, 
There was no... You had no justification for committing this crime. You had no justification for committing this crime. I think you're a loser. I don't think you're very attractive. But you're off. I'm not sentencing you. I'm sentencing you to probation. No time served. You know, it's like... And everybody's like, yes! You know, it's but that's... There's something to be said for that. And in a relationship... If you're someone who's constantly praising your girlfriend or your wife or she's constantly praising you, while it's nice and healthy because you're not screaming at each other all the time, you're not like calling each other names, it also doesn't quite have the same value, which is why if you're if you only compliment your girlfriend when she does look really good, that'll matter a lot more to her. And it shouldn't be a game. It shouldn't be manipulative. It shouldn't be something where you hold back so that she is wanty, so that she need, she thinks she needs you to compliment her all the time uh, or just some of the time or it's some sort of game to you. You should never do that. But at the same time, I think there's something to be said for not always complimenting people. And I mean, I think that's a great way of gauging your friendships, your true friendships, where... I don't feel the need to constantly encourage my real friends. I can tell when they need it. I can tell when they've done something. If they show me something they did, they're doing that. One, because I'm their friend. Especially if you're talking about creativity. It's one thing. But I'm also, I tend to, I try to be honest with people too. If I'm not in love with something that a friend did, I'm not afraid to say little to nothing or with some people, I, I don't even mind criticizing it a little bit. But I also, those same people are people that I'm a fan of as people, but also as creative minds. And so it's, I, I will ultimately end up liking some of what they do, even if it's not for me, even if it doesn't fit into my taste. I can tell if it's good or not, and I have no problem telling them that. But I don't like the idea of a friendship where it's just blind compliments all the time. Especially as a man, you know, especially as a man, like this has nothing to do with someone's idea of what a man should or shouldn't do. But in my opinion, men intuitively have no business doing that. Deep down, you know, no male friendship should be based on just needless encouragement and compliments. And it's in fact, it should lean more the other way. You know, I think there's something to be said for that. I don't know that I'm putting it in exactly the right terms, but I have found that as someone who has, I, I have female friends too, but I, I have found that women friends that I have do seem to be, they seem to be more sensitive for one, or at least they, it's, it's more obvious when if there is an element of criticism or if there is if you're not entirely into something that they're they're doing, I feel like it digs, it hits deeper on some level. I don't know. That might be something to talk about more at another time so that this doesn't just sound like some women are more sensitive sort of thing because I don't mean it to come across that way. And I don't want to give any disclaimers. It's just been my experience because I have male friends too who flip out over the smallest things. But uh, I think there's generally, I'm, it, there's more of a, 
a combativeness. I don't know. There's more of an acceptable combativeness with guys. And that's not to say that people don't take things personally, but it's just been my experience. And I've also, I feel like I've heard people say the same thing. How are we doing on time? How are we doing on the hourglass? We're plugged in. The, the hourglass ain't running. <laughs> the hourglass ain't even running. The hourglass is plugged in, and that means that no grains of sand fall to the bottom. I'm going to read a little passage, though, before I get too off track and talking about how men and women handle criticism and praise differently. Uh, just to finish up that last thought, though, it's like that idea of the Simon Cowell. His compliments have a great deal more value, more value than any of the other judges' compliments, because people know him to be critical, that is to say, honest. And that is his role. It's not just, I'm not just talking about, you know, the show is set up that way. They do it on purpose. But that's a, there's a reason why that's effective. There's a reason why that makes compelling television to so many people, and that show is popular. In large part, it's, it's, it really, my mom used to watch that which is how I even know anything about it. You know, not that I'm above watching American Idol and X Factor or whatever it is, uh, but I just, I, I have an idea of what that show, kind of the rhythm of that show from her watching it. And people don't really care about the performances. I mean, sometimes they go, oh, this guy's so good. This guy, this guy is so good. Uh, you know, people, while people do, it is interesting to them to see what people do to how they perform. It seems like the real draw of that show is this, the dynamic of the judges. I mean, it's just this whole thing. And it is interesting that, it is interesting that they play on that, that they play on that psychology of not being, the guy who's not too free with his compliments, with his praise, is the one who's praise and, you know, has the most value. But all these things are easy come and easy go, you know, in the sense that, in the same sense that, you know, in the, in the same sense that, you know, praise, you can be praised and you just let it go because you don't really feel it or it's not, you don't feel it's genuine or it doesn't matter to you because that's the case sometimes too. You might be complimented and you're like, you know, that really doesn't matter to me. It's nice, but it really doesn't matter to me. We have a tendency to internalize criticism far more severely. It's that negativity bias. And I mean, I was doing something for someone recently where it wasn't even a criticism. They just told me that they would prefer it if I do it a certain way opposed to the way that I had been doing it. And there was no element of you did it wrong. There was no element of I'm unhappy with what you're doing. It was just maybe try doing it this way to speed things up. Basically a a quantity over quality sort of thing. We're looking more for quantity over quality, which I understand. And there's a time and a place for quantity over quality. But I, I, I had to think about it for a minute afterward where I was like, I'm not happy with that. You know, it felt I, I there was an element of, uh, you know, not blame, not criticism, but something leaning that way. And that's just a part of everything. You know, if you can't deal with that, if you can't deal with a minor, a soft criticism, you got trouble. You're going to have trouble everywhere you go. You're going to have trouble everywhere you go. Uh, but it was just a moment where I was like, yeah, you know, I got, I got to think about that for a second. I don't love that, but it's valid and it's not personal. It's what they want. So it was just something I had to think about. But meanwhile, I'd been getting praised left and right. 
And that it's funny how that can just bounce off you, but you have a tendency to internalize something that is very minor. And fortunately, I was able to not internalize it, but it was just, I had to think about it for a second. I had to think about what it meant. But there's a passage, a Buddhist passage I want to read, uh, and it's called Criticism and Praise. Turns out it's exactly what I'm talking about. And it says, uh, The Buddha said, If outsiders speak against me, the teaching or the order, you should not be angry, for that would prevent your own self-conquest. Similarly, if they praise us, uh, sorry, let me rephrase that. Similarly, if they praise us, but you should find out what is false or true and acknowledge the fact. And even in praise, it is only of trifling matters that, that an unconverted man might speak of me. That last part is, is what I want to emphasize. Even in praise, it is only of trifling matters that an unconverted man might speak of me. So this is in the context of Buddhist practice, Buddhist belief, and the idea that an unconverted man, a non-Buddhist who is either criticizing or praising Buddhism, is of equal value. Someone who is not participating in this process, his words have equal value, whether they're praise or criticism, and you can apply that outward. Yeah, this is talking about someone who doesn't follow a Buddhist practice and how their words basically mean nothing in the context of Buddhism. But the same is true for pretty much everything. You know, it's like if you are praised for doing a task or criticized for doing a task by someone who's not involved with that task in any way, not directly, it should really have equal weight. And obviously there are situations where on a practical level, if your boss praises you, it's like you're going to gravitate toward that. You want to do things that your boss wants. Because there's a practical reward where you could get that raise for typing fast. You could be promoted. You could, you know, it just it's job security at the very least. Or you, it'll make you feel better about being there. Even if you're happy with the amount of money you make, you're happy with the position you have, you have no intention of leaving a certain job receiving positive feedback from your boss is going to just make the entire situation better all around. But if it's not meaningful, like if your boss seems disengaged, if they don't seem to understand what matters in the context of your set of duties, for example, if they praise you for total nonsense and criticize you, you know, for things that they should ultimately be praising you for, if their values are out of whack, if they don't know what they're talking about. Because what that is, is, oh, my boss has power over me, but when it comes to praise and criticism, they have no idea what they're talking about, and that messes me up. That twists me up. So you can apply this kind of outwardly. Yeah, this is about, within the context of Buddhism, someone who has praise or blame for that set of teachings. It's of equal value, which is to say no value. Not that it's not interesting. Not that some outsider's take on something isn't interesting. And obviously, as I was saying, in a, in a you know, education setting, in a professional setting, 
you know, yeah, there's a practical side to receiving praise. Even if your boss is an outsider looking in, if they have no understanding of the duties and tasks that you do, you know, they have a certain amount of control over you. So that does matter. That is going to impact you. But you have to look at that situation, you know, in every, you have to look at that scenario in every situation you're in where it's like, is this an outsider looking in? It's like if a total stranger compliments you or criticizes you, it has equal weight, which is to say no weight. Whereas if a friend says something, somebody who has insight into you, that matters. And if a friend does compliment you, that especially matters because familiarity breeds so much contempt. It truly does. I mean, people will be a part of each other's lives They'll be inseparable, but they have so much resentment and contempt for each other because they are so close to each other, and humans create that. Humans create such a capacity for contempt, especially the closer they are together. You really learn someone's habits. You get bored by people at the very least, but you also get agitated. You know, so, uh, you know, when somebody you know, who actually knows you, an insider, because if somebody is a friend, if somebody is your girlfriend, somebody is your family member, they have a certain level of insight into you. They are not an outsider. Well, they're not you. They are an insider when it comes to your life. So their word matters. Whereas, you know, at the grocery store, you know, you can let somebody ruin your day because they get mad at you. You know, somebody, you know, you cut somebody off, you know, in line. On the, you're, you're, you're walking over to get, it's like this. You're walking over to get a, a shopping cart to start your journey at the hunting grounds, gathering food, and somebody cuts in front of you. And they said, you were moving too slow. I needed to get this. I needed to get my cart. I'm on my lunch break. I got a limited amount of time. You know, somebody insults you. Like, you, oh, I don't know what it is. I don't think that's ever happened to anybody. You're walking to a shopping cart. To gri- you're walking to the shopping cart section to grab your cart, and somebody cuts you off and grabs one in front of you and says, "You were moving too slow." Let's just say that happened, though. It's like very easy to let that ruin your day. It's easy to let strangers ruin your day, and you know, it, it, whereas it shouldn't. It's trifling. It's a trifling matter, but the same would be true if somebody complimented you which occasionally happens. Sometimes there are those strangers. And, you know, my mom was one of those people. And it was just, it was incredible because she, I don't know how she did it, but she had the ability to compliment strangers and genuinely mean it. You know, she had that ability. And I don't know, I really don't understand how she did it to be, she gave out compliments very freely. But there was an extraordinary amount of sincerity behind it. Uh, and that's just, I think some people have that gift. And that's not to say that every single compliment she ever gave was filled with meaning. You know, of course not. Of course, she sometimes threw them out there, as we all do. But it was interesting to see that and to know that she had, there was a certain, uh, it was genuine. You know, it was genuine. So some people are able to do that, but that often is communicated to people. And in watching her do that over the years, she, It was incredible to see how people responded to it because some people were uncomfortable because, you know, many of us operate in this Russian prison mindset 
where someone's compliment of us is feels dangerous or it's like what are they trying to get and it's not even a russian i don't even know why i say russian it's it's just a prison mindset in general where someone does something nice for you or says something nice and you think oh they're trying to get my cigarettes they're trying to get my they're trying to take something from me next thing oh they said something nice well next thing you know they're going to steal my dessert they're going to steal my dessert come lunchtime. They're going to steal my food. Uh, you know, I have heard, I don't even think, I think that's a prison mindset in the U.S., the idea that, you know, if, if somebody does something nice, they're manipulating me in some way. I think it's just a Russian mindset in general. I've heard that Eastern Europe, Russia, that tends to be more just the way things are going about your day. You have to worry about that. You got to worry about oh, if someone compliments you, they're trying to sneak in and do something, and that people do that, of course. I mean, there's a reason why the slimiest salesmen operate on this complimentary level, and you know it. You know what they're doing. You know what a salesman is doing when they praise you, and not only does it bounce right off of you, not only do you not take it in if you're at all smart. If you're aware of what's going on, not only do you not personalize a sales, a slimy salesman's compliments toward you because you know what they're trying to do, you kind of take it the opposite way where it almost becomes an insult that they're trying to do that. It's not that their words are an insult, but it's almost insulting that you think that, that they think you think that they think that that's going to be an effective strategy. And it is. The reality is it is an effective strategy for some people, you know, to be like, well, you look like a guy. Uh, I can tell that you're a guy who, uh, you know, the, you're the kind of guy, you just, you seem like the kind of guy who would drive a big truck because you're so manly. I can just, you know, I can just tell. You just seem like a man's man. You seem like a mansman. You're such a mansman. I think you should buy this new Ford 250. I think you should buy this new Ford 250. You know, it's like, Somebody can respond to the bill like, you know what? This is the only guy in my life. This salesman is the only guy in my life who's ever acknowledged my manliness. My father never did. My father never acknowledged my manliness. This salesman did, though, and because of that, I'm going to buy this Ford truck. I'm going to buy this Ford truck. You know, it's some people respond to that. Some people are craving that even even when it's fake, even when it's inauthentic. Uh, this, which is why salesmen continue to exist. Because if it never worked, they wouldn't keep doing it. If salesmen found out that the most effective technique was to insult people, if they were all Simon Cowell, you know, and of course the American Idol setup, it's, it's sort of like a good cop, bad cop thing. Not really, not completely, but there's a little bit of that. Where the reason why Simon Cowell is able to do that effectively is because there are other people being fake nice And even just that term, that's something people say a lot, not really in conversations I have. But uh, I think that they're fake. He's fake nice. He's. I think he's fake nice. That's, an, that's something I hear more from women I know than men. Like my male friends don't typically say that to me. Like, oh, I think he's fake nice. Whereas I have heard that from women. Uh, but we all know what that is, even if we have different terms for it. Oh, he's a bullshitter. Oh, you're talking to, oh, fake nice? What does that mean? You're talking about a bullshitter? He's a bullshitter. You know, that's what that is. 
basically you just you think someone's disingenuous uh, and you know we all have a sense for that one way or another we all have a sense for that when someone is bullshitting us and we don't like it you know even if it's complimentary because something is especially insulting when something is complimentary but there's nothing behind it even if it's not manipulative even if someone just throws it out there and of course you know again we go back to the idea of compliments matter more from certain people and some of that status some of that's authority if you respect if if you especially if you're involved in something that's very niche like if you're a creative person and another creative person who you respect who you might not even know very well or they might be they have a certain status maybe if they give you a compliment that's huge it feels like this great gift somebody who doesn't matter to you at all can say something far more detailed and you think, oh, that's nice. Yeah, I'm glad you like it. But somebody who has far more status, even if it's just in your mind, even if it's very niche, even if it's, very, if it's something very small, some little corner of the world, if you simply respect somebody and what they do and they say something complimentary to you, even if it's just one little, oh, good, good job, good job. You know, even if it's just that, that has immense weight to the point where you'll think about it, you know, into the future you'll remember it whereas you might not remember some what you consider you know a light compliment from somebody whose opinion doesn't matter to you Uh, so you know it's interesting it's interesting how the things we hold on to and the, the same is true for some sort of criticism where if somebody's opinion matters to you and they give you some sort of scathing criticism or even something relatively small like even if they just point out one little thing that you they think you could do better You'll remember that forever. And it's funny how the people that you like and don't like are often based on who you think likes or doesn't like you. How there's an element of that to all this stuff where, oh, I don't, that person doesn't like me, so I can't like them. We have this two way street idea about our, our people preferences. Because I personally find a certain joy. If I think somebody doesn't like me, I'm at a point in my life where I feel a certain joy in liking them. And I don't want that to be taken as... I don't want to turn continuing to like that person as some sort of weapon, <laughs> you know? like be like, or, And I don't want it to be a self-superior thing either, where you end up thinking, oh, I'm going to use joy as a weapon, I'm going to use, oh, I'm going to compliment them, but I I know, because I know they hate me, so it's going to drive them crazy that I'm so nice. You don't want to use that, and but if, if you can find a genuine place, if you can find some kind of genuine love for a person, even if you know they don't feel that way toward you, and of course there's a, you know... There's a balance here. If, if there's some kind of romantic attraction, sexual attraction, she doesn't like me, but I like her, and I'm going to let her know. You know, you do not want to do that. Obviously, that's a bad, bad deal, and it happens a lot. Um, but just when it comes to, you know, social 
interpersonal interactions. Like if you feel like somebody doesn't like you, but you might very well find that if you're nice to that person who you think doesn't like you and they realize that you like them, they might start liking you. The word like is funny. They they might start liking you. But it's true. They might have been operating from a place where they thought you didn't like them. And because they see these things as a two-way street, they thought, oh, I can't like that guy because either he doesn't like me or he's indifferent to me. Therefore, I can't possibly like him. They're not secure enough to do that. And there's nothing wrong with that because it's for good reason that people feel that way. They're looking out for themselves and not in a horrible way. It's not like they're, it's not like a competition or anything, but just their ego. Their ego is, you know, worried. Your ego is constantly worried. Uh, But, you know, I'm at a point in my life where, speaking of this idea, the the two-way street where someone feels like there needs to be this mutual appreciation or, or something in order to actually appreciate somebody where it's like you have to, I mean, it's just, it's insecurity what that is. And there's nothing wrong with being insecure. That's such a heavy term in our society. He's insecure. And of course, everybody has insecurities. Um, and But one of the most basic forms of insecurity plays out in feeling that somebody doesn't like you, therefore you can't like them because you're losing something if you do that. And I have that problem with being a fan of things. Like while I am a very big fan of certain things, there are certain things I'm a fan of, but I feel like I'm a peer. And not necessarily a peer in terms of my abilities, but just mentally I feel like I am a peer to somebody whose creativity or performance I like. And because of that, I don't want to interact with that person as a fan would. But there are some people where it doesn't matter, and I don't know them, most likely. But there are certain artists who are on a certain level where it's just like, oh yeah, you know, I'm, I'm definitely not a peer of that person. But there are other people where it's like, you know, I, I don't want this to be some sort of, I don't want to be treated, because if it's someone you know, especially, you know, you don't want to be treated like just a fan or something like that. So, you know, maybe that's a, a degree of insecurity, you know, on my own part. But it's almost like someone has to be on a certain level. Like, I would have no problem... Being, I, I mean, I have no problem being a fan of someone like Glenn Danzig, whereas someone who's my age, you know, I'm less, I'm, I'm just less likely to, to be like, let me kneel before you, and not that anybody's even looking for that, but yeah, there is the sort of two way street of things where you almost, you want to know that somebody likes you before you can like them back. And I'm just talking about friendship here. I'm just talking about acquaintanceship even. Because acquaintanceship is really nice. I like having acquaintances. While I have my true friends and those don't come by me every day, I like having acquaintances. There's something nice about this idea that you can nod to somebody who you see around and you don't need to sit there and catch up. You don't need to make plans. There's this mutual understanding that you don't need to do anything more than just nod to each other. And if, say, somebody that you are mutually friends with is there, maybe you'll hang out. But you don't need to do anything more than just not fight. <laughs> That's the beauty of acquaintanceship is, is it means 
Acquaintanceship means like we don't know each other well enough to resent each other. We don't know each other well enough to there's no there's not enough familiarity to breed contempt between us. And we're not strangers who are going to fight in public. You know, maybe some acquaintances get in fights, but, you know, it's nice. I, I feel like it's just acquaintanceship is peace. Acquaintance, acquaintanceship is peace. Uh, and uh, I appreciate that because there is so much potential to make enemies. And I was talking to my childhood best friend, Nick, about this. And we were talking about how, you know, neither of us have any enemies at this point. Sometimes my friends have sort of been enemies, you know, but none of us have any enemies at this stage. And it's not that we really did before, but there were certain people. I mean, I shouldn't say we, I should just say for myself, you know, it wasn't like there was any point uh, before where I thought this person is my enemy. I've never been someone who thinks, oh, this person is my rival. I've never felt like I'm in direct competition with one other person. I think the people who I felt like I'm in competition with have turned out to not even know who I am or not even see me as a competitor. Maybe they do, and I just don't know. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's the, the people that I have felt the most rivalry with in my life, it turns out didn't even know who I was, most likely, that I know of. And that's humbling. That is very humbling. But it's also inspiring because that motivates you in some way. That motivates you to do something, to push yourself. But, um, you know, with enemies and that kind of thing, yeah, I've never been someone who has some sort of antagonist in my life, nor do I think I've ever been someone else's antagonist. But it's easy to have these sort of light enemies, L-I-T-E, enemy light where they're just people where the the mention of their name rubs you the wrong way and you actively avoid them if they walk in a room you're a little you're you're brought down a little a lower level and you probably communicate that you know that probably comes out of your pores they probably sense it but to be at a point where you don't feel that in the same way that you know if i find out someone doesn't like me or if just on a psychic level i feel like someone isn't into what i do and what i am it doesn't make that much of a difference. While I might be aware of it, it's not going to change what I think about them. And in fact, I kind of appreciate when someone doesn't give me what I want. If I feel like someone is averse to me in some way, meanwhile, I don't feel that way about them, I almost take it as a compliment. Not that they're actually doing anything against me, but I just take it kind of as a compliment where I'm like, okay, that person has standards and I don't meet them. Cool. You know, cool, man. Because even though I, I, I do try to make more of an effort to encourage people or give people meaningful feedback when I feel it. When I actually feel it. Because the problem was when I was younger, even if I had meaningful feedback to give to someone, positive feedback, I wouldn't even give that sometimes. And so realizing that, you know, making an effort to give honest feedback when it is complimentary is important to me. But uh, also to realize, you know, sometimes, you know, if I don't meet somebody's standard... You know, whether that's based on their own insecurity or I'm just genuinely that dislikable. Cool. I'm glad that person has standards. 
But oftentimes, in my experience, if you give that person a little bit of praise, if you communicate in some way to that person that not only do you maybe like them, but you're simply not against them. You know, I talk a lot in this show about the adversity complex that people have developed, and it does play into American Idol, which is the best example I know of on a wide cultural level of everything needing to have some story of adversity, but that also plays out in everyone's individual lives as well, where everyone seems to want to have some sort of story, and it is a story, about what someone did to them how they were held back, how their parents didn't do this, or their parents did do this, and that wasn't good either, how their friends were this, or the, the bully at school was this. You know what would, be, what would be really humbling? You know, I was talking about bullying in the last episode, is if you've built up in your mind that you were bullied, like, oh, the, my bully, this person was my bully. And it turns out that bully never even knew who you were. It was all in your mind. It's humbling enough to think you're in competition with somebody and to find out you're not even in the same game or the same league. But to realize that this person that you thought was your antagonist never even knew who you were. Or the opposite. Like, man, like you, you, you go to your high school reunion and you're like, I'm so sorry I bullied you. I was your bully. I'm so sorry for bullying you. And then it turns out the person you thought you bullied never even knew who you were. <laughs> sorry for the laugh there. <laughs> but no, but really, uh, that'd be so funny. The idea that like you thought you victimized somebody and, and this would-be victim didn't even know who you were. No, really, I bullied you in the locker room, in the locker bay. And turns out they never even knew. I never even knew you bullied me. That's probably worse than the bully not remembering you is the victim not remembering the bully. Well, because you don't remember me bullying you in high school, that means I got to bully you now. My wounded bully ego. But uh, yeah, it's, it's that same kind of idea where... Oh, I don't even, I don't know what line of thought I was on there. Um, just, uh, you know, so much is based on acknowledgement. So many things are, are based on basic acknowledgement. And, uh, you know, whether it's friend, enemy, acquaintance, family, indifference, just basic acknowledgement is all people are looking for. And, and while it's an embarrassing example to give, and it shouldn't be, and I'm not truly embarrassed, but I just, I'm always hesitant to use this example, even though it's so fascinating, because you really see people's raw interactions. But with social media, I think a great example is, you know, this whole acknowledgement button, the liking system, the favoriting button, the heart, because that's such a clear example of this, where... I've had this experience where there's you have some acquaintance on social media and you don't really interact, even though you're connected in this collective unconscious, possibly permanently connected. Someone, somebody that you worked with randomly, 
years ago added you on Facebook or they were a friend of a friend and you got drunk one night and had one good conversation. Now you're connected forever. And you don't interact. You never say anything to each other. It turns out you really don't have much in common or much to say to each other. And on that medium, on this the social medium, it's very easy to think that people don't like you because they don't acknowledge you on there. It's very easy to get that in your head, and a lot of people have that in their head. But I've had this experience where there's somebody like that who I don't interact with much, and I'll like one of their posts out of the blue after a long period of time of having no interaction, and suddenly they start liking everything you post. And what that is, is you communicated to them that I don't hate you. I acknowledge you. And they suddenly go, oh, that guy doesn't hate me. That guy might actually kind of like me. That guy, might, that guy approves of me in some way. He approved of something I posted. He approved of that picture of my animal that I posted, my pet. He, he might not hate, that guy's not my enemy. That guy not, he ain't my enemy. He ain't my enemy. You know, somebody might think that. And in response, they now approve of you because it is that two-way street that people you know, seem to require. You know, when it comes to people's security, insecurity, they seem to, they want to know that it's a two-way street. They don't want to feel like it's one-sided. And if they feel like it is one-sided, it'll quickly become no-sided. If somebody feels like they like you and you don't like them back, and again, it feels silly to talk in these terms, but what else are you going to say? These are the terms that we live with. I like him. I like her. I don't like her. And of course, we know with crushes, I like like her. You know, that's a whole other world of this where our egos and our insecurities are even more sensitive and more, you know, frayed at the edges. But it's funny that this plays out even among just social interaction where there's no romantic or sexual you know, there's nothing at stake as far as romance or sex or anything like that goes. The fact that this plays out too, even among just acquaintanceship. I don't want to feel like I'm an acquaintance. I don't want to feel like I consider him an acquaintance, but he doesn't consider me an acquaintance. Even my acquaintanceship has to be a two-way street. And it plays out in the flesh where the horror of waving to somebody that you kind of know and they don't wave back, or the even worse horror, the far greater horror of somebody waving at you who you kind of know and it turns out they were waving at somebody behind you and you waved back and it was an empty wave. It's like you you, you think you're playing tennis with somebody and they serve you the ball but it goes over your head and it turns out there's someone behind you with a racket and you're not even in the game, and you're just swinging a racket like it's a, a limp dick. You know that happens, and that's how that feels. You realize, like, oh, I thought we, were, I thought I was playing the game of hello. I thought I was playing the game of waving to my friend, and it turns out they were waving to their real friend behind me. This sucks. <laughs> oh my god. The horror that it's funny how low stakes that is. 
but our ego and our our security insecurity is so dependent on these little small interactions with our fellow people and uh, it's just it's it's sad but I, I mean you have to find the humor in it because my interact, my, you know, my my memory of that kind of interaction, ha- you know, the only time I remember that actually happening was I was probably in junior high, and was at some sort of event, and this girl that I'd grown up with and kind of knew, I kind of liked her at one point. She waved, and she knew me. You know, it wasn't like she didn't know me, but she waved, and I I lifted my hand, and then I saw that her gaze was past my past me, and then there was like another girl behind me that she knew and she was waving at her I'm glad it wasn't another guy because that'll really do a number on you you know if it was if she was waving at another guy that inner ape would have just screamed fortunately she was waving at just a, a a girl another girl it was a girl on girl interaction it was a girl on girl game of hello that I wasn't included in. But if it was another man, man, if it was another man, man, that would have just been a spike. Not a spike to my heart. It would have been two, it would have been twin spikes right into my eyeballs. It would have been twin spikes right into my eyeballs. Would have been twin spikes right into his eyeball. Um, it would have felt that way, though. It's funny how those small interactions will do a number on you. The fact that I even remember that. And granted, you know, I do have a pretty good memory. Still, the fact that I even remember that moment when this girl waved and it wasn't to me. It was to the girl behind me. The fact that I even remember that is traumatic. Let me tell you about my trauma. A girl waved and it wasn't directed at me, but I thought it was. I remember it, though. Maybe there's something on a survival level, on an evolutionary level. As much as I don't like to think in those terms that everything has some sort of evolutionary purpose, you know, it does almost feel like that was an animal moment. If I ever meet that girl again, I just track her down. If I'm ever in my hometown, call her up and be like, hey, you and I had an animal moment. She's going to think it's something disgusting, something foul. No, 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 not that. Not that kind of animal moment. You waved at a friend of yours, and I thought you were waving at me. And I waved, and it turns out you had to have seen me lift my hand up. You had to have seen me. I know that you know that I thought you were waving at me, and you probably saw me, even if it was just in your periphery. You know that I thought you were waving at me. You know, horrible. How to how to be an awful person, you know? That's that's how you be an awful person. You bring these kinds of things up in conversation. Say to that girl, call up that girl and be like, I was your bully. Do you remember that, how I bullied you every day? Oh, that's fucked up, just on a totally other tangent. Like the idea of a, being a guy in school bullying a girl. It doesn't typically happen. Girls bully girls, mean girls and all that. But you don't typically hear about... You know, uh, what's it called? Uh, what's it called when multiple people, when both genders live in the same dorm? Co-ed. Co-ed bullying. 
You don't hear a lot about co-ed bullying. Oh, yeah, you know, uh, my bully was a girl. Here's something about myself. I was terrorized throughout school by a girl. Even worse if it's a guy bullying a girl. You know, while people can trade insults, I was definitely insulted by girls. Like when that girl didn't wave at me. It was an insult. Uh, but, uh, you know, really, though, it's like I remember trading insults with women and growing up, but I don't remember anything. Resem- I don't remember that much bullying, period. I think bullying is overblown. At least it was in my experience. Kids are just mean to each other all around, at, a, at least up to a certain age. But, uh, you know, the, the, the idea of co-ed bullying, I know it happens. Sure, it happens. But the idea of that being a big thing is kind of funny to me. I was your bully. Said it to a girl at the high school reunion. Do you remember me? My name's Eric. I was your bully. I don't remember you at all. Who's the bully now? Turns out not acknowledging somebody is bullying. Kind of is now, right? Since we have so many avenues to express our acknowledgement, so many avenues to praise people. It seems sometimes like simply not praising someone is bullying now. Because if you don't actively praise somebody, they might think you don't like them. Because, you know, there is so much empty praise going around. It's very easy to read too far into it. And as the standards for what's bullying or what's mean or what's not, you know, continue to get wider and wider, as more and more things become bullying in school, you know, you have to wonder if we will, if if we will reach a point where not blindly complimenting someone all the time makes you their enemy. I don't know if we'll get there, but there are definitely instances of that in our world, especially as we become more connected. But I think you can acknowledge people, you can praise people, but it should always be genuine. It should most of the time be genuine because they know deep down, they know if it's real or not. Going back to that little Buddhist passage I read, you know, deep down, somebody knows if it's coming Not just from you as an insider in their life, but if it's coming from you inside. If it's not just superficial. Deep down, they know and you know. So don't just, don't throw it around, but make an effort to express it when you actually feel it. And that was a decision I had to make, and it was a decision. You know, and even though I I can talk for an hour, now over an hour... About these things. It's not like I sit there and analyze and overthink all of this stuff in the moment. This isn't how I'm thinking when I'm going about my day, when I'm talking to friends, when I'm meeting people, when I'm out in the world. This isn't how I think. But it does stay with me. I do, I try to be aware of what I'm doing. But you don't want to go through some kind of, you don't, you don't want to go through this kind of neuroses. In your, when you're interacting with people. You don't want to be doing equations in your head. But it's something you can think about in your downtime. You can overthink it in your downtime because there's a lot to think about. 
If there's a if there's a lot to think about, maybe you're not overthinking. Maybe you're thinking just the right amount of thought. And if there's one subject that you should think about, it's praise and criticism and the value that those things have or don't have. And recognizing that even though you have this negativity bias, praise comes and goes just as easily as criticism or blame. And you'll actually be better off if you treat them both equally. You'll be much better off if you treat praise and blame, like and dislike, equally. You don't have to be a Stoic. You don't have to be some Pyrrhonist Greek. You don't have to be a Buddhist. But you can strive for some level of neutrality and see neutrality as the standard water level. This is where the water is supposed to be. And if it rises a little bit, great. If, it's, if it goes down a little bit, great too. Or not great. doesn't really matter. And that doesn't mean that praise and blame aren't a part of who you are as a human, especially an imperfect human in an imperfect world. Hence the reason praise and blame are even a, a little thought in your head. You know, we wouldn't have a need for praise or blame if we lived in a perfect world. We would not. Because praise communi- like that's and I think that's a good way of understanding this. Praise communicates that this is better than something that isn't this good. You have gone beyond the standard. And if you've gone beyond the standard, that means the standard isn't as good as you when you're doing something well. So that implies imperfection just from the very start. If you think something is good, that means other things are not good. It doesn't mean they're bad, but there are things that are less than that thing that is good. Therefore, you feel the need to say. Because if you were in a perfect world, you would never have any need to ever communicate that something is good because it would just be acceptable. It would be accepted that everything is completely perfect. So why say anything to... You know, the status quo is perfection. There's nothing else to say. There's nothing to praise, nothing to blame. Everything just is perfect. So the very fact that there is praise at all implies that we are living in an imperfect world. And the fact that our praise can come from a place of manipulation or dishonesty or wantiness, our need for praise too. The fact that our ability to praise and our need for praise, our want of praise, the fact that even that desire and our ability to express praise or receive praise, the fact that that itself is imperfect, the fact that we're not always honest about it, the fact that we're not always genuine, the fact that our praise isn't always treated as valuable by the person receiving it, that itself shows that we ourselves are imperfect. So it's an imperfect world, we are imperfect people, and naturally that lends itself to criticism and blame, and I don't think I need to elaborate on that. The fact that criticism and blame exist, of course that implies imperfection, because that's what we're responding to. We're responding to imperfection by pointing it out and saying, that sucks. But the same is true for praise. This is why I say these things are equal. Praise, too, is a response to imperfection. 
but it's a constructive, it's a po- when it's genuine, it's a positive and constructive response to imperfection because it's encouraging things that strive for something else. They might not achieve perfection. That might be that unreachable, most distant shore. But if something is reaching toward perfection in your mind, you know, that's something that you want to encourage and you do so through praise. But that doesn't mean you should hold on to praise. It doesn't mean you should seek praise because it is equal in weight to blame and criticism. But you can lean that way because you will end up criticizing. You will end up blaming. But you can lean toward praise. You can lead toward construction. Construction. You can lean that way. And, and if you lean that way, you will not only strive for that yourself, you will not only strive to be better yourself, but you will encourage that in other people. You will recognize that in other people. And recognition, like I've been getting at, is acknowledgement. And if simple acknowledgement encourages a better potential outcome, do it. Acknowledge people. Acknowledge the people who matter to you, first and foremost. And then if you still have the capacity to acknowledge other people and do it genuinely, do that too. I don't expect everyone to be like my mom. And, you know, when she died, I I made it a point to be like, I'm not going to sanctify her. Even though she was a wonderful, special human being, I don't want to say that my mom was absolutely perfect because she wouldn't want that herself. She wouldn't have said that herself. But that said, you know, while I'm not going to sanctify her or turn into Livia Soprano talking about her ex-husband, you know, he was a saint. You know, I do look at her conduct in life and I'm like, she had a, a much larger capacity to communicate truthful acknowledgement and to give genuine praise to people. And so it really depends on your own capacity. But I do feel that the more you're able to do it, the more comfortable you are doing it. And maybe the more, the, maybe your capacity will increase in turn. Maybe your capacity to increase, your capacity to praise will increase in response to your willingness to do it. I don't know. I'm still figuring this out myself as somebody who has just throughout my entire life been both averse to giving praise as well as receiving praise. You know, it's still something that I'm trying to figure out. But even though I see praise as, you know, the direction to lean in, knowing full well that that will never completely obscure blame and criticism, I will always have the capacity to do that as well. But if I lean toward praise... You know, that's going to be for the better, and I will not only encourage that in myself, but I will encourage the other things out there that make life worth living. So yeah, it's it's still equal value, though. It's still equal value, praise and blame. I don't think you should pretend that one has more density than the other, even if you gravitate toward one, or you think you have a preference. I think you should get rid of your preference, and that itself will make you more capable of offering genuine praise. When you remove the weight, when you remove the preference, 
I wholly believe that that will make you lighter and it will make you gravitate toward that sort of constructive communication. Because at the end of the day, that's all it is. It's constructive communication. This land is mine God gave this land to me This brave, this golden land to me And when the morning sun Reveals her hills and plains I see a land where children can